0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience.
1: Hi, this is Kunal Kapoor, and I'm the host for Podcast MD by Keto. Welcome to the first episode of our first ever podcast. Before we get into it, let me tell you how Podcast MD by Keto came about. As most of you may know, I'm also one of the founders of Keto, one of the country's leading crowdfunding platforms. Medical crowdfunding has been one of the biggest causes for us at Keto. Over 500 crores have been raised to successfully fund urgent medical cases and save lives. But sadly, the number of people in India not able to afford healthcare has only been rising. And so we've increased our focus on healthcare to make it more accessible and affordable. While being unable to secure funds for treatment is obviously one of the biggest concerns for both patient and their family, we found there were gaps beyond as well. When someone is suddenly hit with a serious medical condition, there's so much one isn't prepared for. One may or may not be prepared to handle the finances, but everything else that comes with it, one certainly isn't prepared for. And that's what Podcast MD by Keto is about. Trying to understand everything around, the emotional aspect, dealing with doctors and hospitals, making the difficult choices, and just coping with it all. Another thing that we came to realize in working closely with healthcare was that in spite of increased efforts and awareness, the number of cancer-related cases are only increasing. And so we decided that in our first season, we're going to take on the Big C. I'm going to be chatting with cancer survivors from different backgrounds to find out how they dealt with everything that comes with the disease. We want survivors to share their experiences that, that could inspire and help others get through a difficult period in their life and also help them understand more about the disease. Today's guest is Tina Kaur a national award-winning filmmaker and screenwriter. Her documentary, 1984, When the Sun Didn't Rise, has won multiple awards in competitions across the world. She's also a breast cancer survivor and heavily involved with the environment and wildlife conservation. Thank you so much, uh, Tina, for joining us on Podcast MD by Keto. You know, so let's start from the beginning, which is your childhood. I believe you grew up in uh, Ajmer, right? So uh, tell us something about your childhood.
0: So uh, I'm very glad to be here, first of all, and talking to you. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, um, talking about Ajmer, I had very fond memories of uh, my family and... uh, you know I was a very loving child and everyone around me loved me a lot so I mean that's how and then of course it was very you were
1: pro- the only child or? I
0: have a brother you as have well. a brother as well yeah. Okay. so so like uh, yeah I mean, it, I mean I grew up in a conservative you know Sikh family very right. very protected uh, went to a convent school St. Mary's convent and um, completed my studies there up to class 12 Right. and then you know how it has is it like you know when you are in intelligent and you know it's like you either become a doctor or an engineer so I was like okay I can't become a doctor I'm but your
1: able. family was insistent like that that you should do yeah. one of the two
0: yeah yeah 100% so I was like okay I mean maybe maybe engineering so I mean I was also living the dream of my father because you know he's very very knowledgeable he's an artist he's an economist wow. uh, all by hobby and by reading and very very well read person so and I was like you know how people are clueless at that age so I was like okay whatever my papa says I'll do that he's correct yeah so I studied production and industrial engineering huh. but then in the first year I realized that uh, I didn't like it right so then I was like okay now what do we do next you know what is the way forward of course I completed the engineering but then uh, I had uh, you know and there were a lot of pressure on me f- to get married and stuff after college and I was like completely not in sync with what my family thinks about marriage and stuff settling down the word. <laughs> so I was like okay settled so I was like I mean I haven't really thought about it because all the time I was like preparing for MBA or other things because my father asked me to do so then I told my father like I was like then I started rebelling and I was like okay now I was living a dream that you wanted me to live now I'm going to live a dream that I think is right for me right and that is something that connected to my childhood because I'd seen a documentary on mining and I was like my goodness how much people suffer in mining you know how much children suffer, how many people who are working in mining and they're extracting so much of metal, uh, you know, they have, they face so many health hazards.
1: So that's where the germ of uh, becoming a filmmaker yes. came from? Yes. and Oh, so it was, it was from childhood. You'd always like, it always stayed at the back of your mind and yeah, that I've, you want to be in the movies?
0: I know it was not like movies, movies. But I, that
1: you want to do something which is creative.
0: Yes, I felt that maybe how I look at the world, I want the world to look at it Like that. Right. You know, this was the perspective. Now it can be through any other form... As well, which is creative, right? But uh, of course, like you know, filmmaking got closer because at that time I was like wondering, I don't want to come straight away into movies. I want to first explore documentary, which I think is a very pure form of the right. film that is made, right? And then move on to you know feature films and other things. So that was the idea. And how behind.
1: did the How did the parents react to that idea? Oh
0: my God! <laughs> it must have been
1: <laughs> hell in the house, no?
0: <laughs> completely. I was like begging, please let me go study. And they were like, no, no, your time is up. Like you have to get married. Who will marry you if you're overqualified? And, you know, and uh, like, you know, if you age and all this. It was like. And I thought that maybe this is the reality. This is how the world moves. Right. Know? So uh, I couldn't really, you know, go to any film school. Uh, I also had a regret in my heart that I haven't been able to go to a film school but later on when i went to fti and i did my fa course and other things i realized it's good that i did not
1: come to the film school <laughs> you know
0: so i charted my own path but of course that was not really like what i was thinking about life right i also thought that you know i'll get married i'll have children i'll have a house and career like i'll take care of it later like, right you know. right so so that was the idea behind like i got married but unfortunately the marriage didn't work right so then i came to bombay and i was like i mean i was at a very low uh, form of my life at that and time and this was
1: this was in which year
0: 2007
1: 2007
0: yeah so, you know, like how girls and women they are told that programmed, okay, you you're not good for anything, you know, you what do you think? How can you think so big? You know? So I was also told that, you know, what do you think? There's a red carpet for you in Bombay, you know, you have to live here with me and all that. So I was like, okay, let me just let me just see if there is something for me, if if I can give myself another chance, you know. I had no confidence, Kunal. You wouldn't believe I was like no security, no financial, emotional, uh, self-confidence, zero, everything was... So you alone. came
1: absolutely alone to Bombay?
0: 100% alone. And I did not know uh, anyone other than just one person whom i had met two years back when I'd come to Bombay briefly... So um, I... And
1: up until now, you had not started making films or documentaries I at was all. just...
0: I had just assisted, you know, some documentary filmmaker in Delhi. Hmm. And then I'd also assisted Subhash Kapoor, you know, from right. J- Jolly L. Right, right, right. So yes. I had done one office things. So I was like, actually you know i felt like i'm not going to go anywhere but this then, is what you want to do yeah but then later on i realized that like things are not that bad you know when i got a job into ztv i started working as a promo producer then uh, Ram raghavan sir like like you know someone connected me to him i went and pitched my films to him and he got interested in something and i was like okay you know there is some i'm hope on the right track me. here yeah.
1: there's no red carpet but at least i'm on the right yes.
0: track yes yes right So but then I think my journey actually had started by then but then all the time one question that I kept asking myself is what is the purpose of my life? What Mm. am I going to do with this money, you know? When it has not gone in the conventional way of getting married, having children, paying your EMIs and bills. So why should I think in a conventional way of, you know, mm. doing a job and earning a lot of money and what am I going to do with it? So then I said, Ki, okay, let me try and explore, you know, w- what am I made for, you know, and mm. where do I resonate? So that was the time when I started uh, doing the research for 1984 because mm, I come right. from a Sikh family right. and my uncle was affected and I was like, Ki, okay, what is this? I've never heard about it. So let me look. Into it, so I dig deeper. And was said, that your
1: first documentary 1984?
0: This was uh, my second documentary, second documentary. but uh, technically, when it got complete it was my fifth.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, you had finished so, four more by then,
0: yes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had done just one documentary when I started doing the research for 1984.
1: So, 1984 uh, you started in which year? Uh, 2011,
0: uh, November 2011, and it
1: released in 2018, yeah. So, seven years, yeah. Huh? Wow, that's a lot of work
0: That's a lot of work, yes, yes But then, you know, I just feel very complete about it You know, Because
1: it was a story that was close to you as well Yes and Very, also, very close to your heart
0: Also, you know, the fact that uh, you're able to do something good for the society hmm. You're able to say the voices of people who are not heard of hmm. I think it's, it's a privilege right. I, I think it's a gift I don't think I'm anyone Like I'm just an instrument, I believe
1: Right. So, and you were, and you won the National Award for that.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, yeah, that, that the National Award came my way because it really helped highlight the film, highlight right. the voices of the women, the children, you know, who are the part of the film. And also the entire matter of 84 because like symbolically, you know, the film represents that. I mean, I stand for truth and justice. So, right. you know, that was... So
1: the national award was uh, you won the national award I think you said the 30th of April or something right?
0: Yeah uh, 3rd of May the national award was announced Yes
1: and just 2 weeks before that you found out that you have breast cancer
0: Yeah I was very devastated I did not know what is going to be ahead of me completely like you know the only thing was uh, I wanted my parents to be happy and feel proud about me. Mm. So I didn't tell them. So I was like... Oh, you
1: didn't tell them that you
0: I told them later. I said that after the national award, after receiving the national award, we'll go to Bombay. You mm. stay with me for, a, for some time. So they said, okay. You know, they didn't question me because they were also happy. Like, okay, you're getting a national award and other things. So, and I did not tell practically anyone that I've, you know, got detected of that and I also kept my spirit very high because
1: but why didn't you feel the need to tell anyone I mean you know my no I,
0: I mean my one of my friends knew, because uh, she helped me into getting going to the hospital and finding two people new, actually. Uh, two of my friends and one, my brother. He had already gone into a very different zone once he came to know that, you know, I have hmm. breast cancer. And I didn't want anyone else to know because I, everyone, I just wanted everyone to be happy about hmm. things. So I was like, and also, you know, the only thing that I knew was, I don't know what is my life ahead, but the thing was that, okay... You know, this is a moment to be happy and purely happy. And, you know, cancer has happened to one particular organ. Small little tumor which will be removed and everything will be fine. Cancer has not happened to my spirit. Mm. So I kept saying this to myself and, you know, going. Mm. Because that was the only thing that I was hopeful about. Yeah,
1: that's, that's wonderfully put.
0: Yeah. And also, you know, when I was getting that surgery done, I was like, I mean, I've always stood for living beings who uh, who cannot speak for themselves. Mm. So that includes trees, birds, animals, minorities, women. So I just like you know, I just prayed uh, to God, and I was like, I haven't seen anything. You know, (laughs) I've just lived my life for others. I don't know what it is to like you know. I I want to live, and I want to see this beautiful earth, and do whatever I've not done till now. You know. And I think I was like, really blessed because uh, my surgeon was also very good very very encouraging and uh, when I was discussing he was like hey, let's go for an operation two days later I was like, nah, nah, like you know, I have to go for this national award thing and then I'll come he said yeah don't worry it's all fine it happens in life and all that so he just kept my spirit very high
1: but how did you how did you discover uh, that you had breast cancer in the first place
0: self detection
1: oh self detection uh,
0: yes yes I just find it very strange you know because women ask me in a they're like how I was like you know there's nothing no particular reason but then it just happens that there are so many videos around that you know you get to know that okay this is how you detect things so and I was uh, in UK and Mm. the film was screened in uh, universities Mm. like you know 22 universities and after that like you know I was just having a small vacation and I realized that you know this is what is the thing like so I got a detector of the tumor so the same day I went to meet the doctor consulted him and asked him you know what is the way ahead and where do I go and you wouldn't believe it like you know the word in English is synchronicity I don't know what is it in Hindi, but I'll tell you, uh, my friend who put me to this surgeon, uh, he didn't say surgeon, he said he's a doctor, go and meet him. So this doctor, I mean, this was the second doctor whom I was meeting on the same day and I met him at his place as a Kashmiri person and uh, he detected me in front of his wife and all and I didn't know like, this was in the UK this was in UK this ah. was in London right and he turned out to be a, like a breast surgeon like you know that was like I, I I was not expecting that you know that things will fall in place like that and I got to know only when I met him in person that he told me I was like okay now this is a specialty that you know you just can't like go and find who's a breast surgeon especially in Indian it was just a matter of chance that my friend said go and meet him once so, then he told me that, you know, go to India and uh, get yourself checked. All the things are quite good in India. You don't hmm. have to be here. Don't take chance. Just, you know, leave and take care of yourself. Hmm. So, I came and I made some arrangements of seeing the oncologist immediately once I come. Right. So, I did all that.
1: And what was the first sort of thought that went into your head when you found out? I mean, that's always... always very very difficult to deal with of course yeah
0: yeah so I was sitting with my doctor oncologist Dr. Sanjay Sharma and you know and I was waiting for him to announce I I had seen the reports I got to know it is malignant they've written the mm. word malignant but when he said then at that time I just broke down you know that was the I think that was the only time when I cried <laughs> like you know because I knew I, I was in a safe space and I could cry because I know that you know I can't cry before my parents because if I do they'll be much weaker so Hmm. so that was the time but he was very sweet and you know and the first
1: first person you called was your was your brother
0: first person whom I called was my friend in Bombay Ah. yeah so you know it I mean uh, I I believe it's about shared value system that you have and like you know like I think friends are very very important
1: right right of course Do they
0: understand you no matter what
1: no and also I mean yeah. we had somebody else that we were speaking to the other day and she said in fact she said the first thing she did was that she uh, reached out to all her friends she wrote a letter mm-hmm. saying that you know I've been detected with cancer and I need your help and she said just having that support system is so important yes. at a time like this yeah so you reached out to a friend of yours and then your brother.
0: Yeah, then later on my brother and then I told him because I was also just wanted to be sure whether it is, you know, cancer or not. Mm. Like, you know, if I tell him before, he'll start panicking. Mm. No point. And also he's in Pune and I live here alone. So I was like, it's better to, you know, ask my friends. So they, you know, uh, they took me to the hospital and and I would think I was very really easy about the biopsy because I didn't know anything. But now when people call me and ask me about biopsy and I'm like, oh... Was it supposed it's to be, supposed so, to be scary. so scary? Like, yeah, I was like, because I didn't know about it So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean It's a routine test, go ahead, do it, you know So, but then also, you know I think life is strange, you know It's not like I mean, there's no guarantee how you're going to die. Right. The only truth is that everyone has to die and at some point of time. So what's the point? I mean, no, I mean, I can't really choose whether I want to, I mean, if I can die from cancer or from accidental death or will I be able to die in my sleep? I mean, that will be the best way to pass, but I'm just saying. So no one is, no one knows that. So what's the point? And then I also asked myself this question that you know, what good are we doing on this earth that we love this life so much? Hmm. I mean, it's a gift. Um, definitely, one has to you know live it fully. But the question is that
1: how are you contributing?
0: Yeah, to anyone else. Like there's so right. many people die. Who knows about them? You know, there's just one particular information Which, that yeah, people read absolutely. on the cell phone that some person died.
1: I mean, we are the center of our universe and. But we are not the centre of the universe. Yes, <laughs> no?
0: yes, yes, for sure.
1: And then when did you end up uh, telling your parents about it? Was after the national award?
0: Yeah, after the national award and I was like, okay, I have to tell them. So I told them and I told them it's perfectly fine and people lead normal life after breast cancer. So you don't worry, it will be okay, you know. So of course, they were very numb and shocked and they didn't know how to respond. But I, I thought that probably that's the best time, you know, mm. to let them rejoice.
1: So it was right after the national award?
0: Yeah, I mean, two days later. was That, that was the day when we were traveling to Bombay. And I, before that, I had fixed up all my hospital, my surgeon, my bed. Everything, and everything. on your own. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because I, I had to do that. You know, I couldn't really wait that, mm. okay, this will because And that span was very, like, long. And so I thought it's better to take a decision. That mm. Mm. So my father was, like, very supportive and very sweet and he was like okay now what needs to be done and all that so he also got in that little bit of practical mode mm. that okay mm. we have to take care of these things
1: and the surgery happened right away
0: yeah after two days the surgery was there in Asian Sign Cancer Hospital by Dr. Sanjay Sharma and uh, two days later I was discharged it was paining of course I, I mean I wouldn't deny it. Mm. but then uh, and then I did tell you the good thing about it.
1: There is a good thing it to it. Of
0: course, there's so many good yeah. things. The good thing is the chemotherapy happened in monsoon. So I got to travel to Navi Mumbai, Tata Cancer Hospital every time. I was so happy. It was raining and I love rains. <laughs> <laughs> and this hospital is located in complete greens. And you can actually see the waterfall and other things, you know. So it was so pretty, you know, when I was to travel and... And I always have this saying that you know, when if you are rich, you don't work in monsoon. It's only the poor who work in monsoon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, not a classist job. No, no, but, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so I'm like, I never want to work in monsoon. You know, like I don't want to do anything. Just hard, want to
1: enjoy it.
0: Enjoy the weather, so beautifully, and every, everything is like you know, rejoicing. The nature is rejoicing with you. Right. So I used to love that part. So And then, you know, one of my friends, uh, they used to go from here with me to the hospital. And my brother, you know, he used to come from Pune to the hospital. And we used to reach early morning. We used to have a little breakfast party before the chemotherapy. (laughs) Like, you know, he used to bring all Punjabi parathas and everything. And we just like, ah, you know. (laughs) But the only thing is that the Tata Cancer Hospital is just the bureaucracy is a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. tedious. It takes time to get the chemo done
1: oh it does so it takes it just, a little bit of time how long does it take to get see it the done? chemo
0: th- therapy the procedure takes something like two two and a half hours depending upon um, the treatment right but um, it's just that one has to wait for the you know turn to come because there's so many people hmm. but I think Tata is very trustworthy doctors very sweet very yeah attractive.
1: yeah wonderful doctors I mean yeah. we at Keto work with them very often Uh, with the Tata Memorial Hospital and they're doing some amazing work.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Very, very good work.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So So what was uh, the sort of protocol that you had to follow, uh, (laughs) you know, in your treatment? What was the line of treatment?
0: So, uh, I mean, my, this thing was at stage 2A, Hmm. uh, breast cancer, and uh, first the surgery, then chemotherapy. So I had got eight chemotherapy sessions over the period of like interval of 15 days each Mm. and after that it was over so then after that radiation Mm. Uh, like 20 days of radiation each day so, that radiation part, I did it in uh, Ambani, Kokla and Ambani Hospital. So, which was near to my place, of course. So, that was...
1: And the chemotherapy obviously is very challenging.
0: No? Yeah, because it has, you know, a lot of side, side effects, effects and other things. So, yeah, I mean, I was, I would say I was really blessed because um, I didn't know much about, you know, chemo and the side effects. And I think one session, I had to endure a lot of side effects, you know, for five days. Second time, it just happened that I spoke to someone, you know, and uh, his wife, she was a homeopathy practitioner. And I told her that, you know, this is what I'm undergoing. So she said, okay, you take this, this, these drugs and you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, really? Hmm. And then I started taking the homeopathy drugs to nullify the effects of chemo. And I think it really worked very well. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was very nice.
1: So the homeopathy uh, reduced the side effects a lot?
0: 100%. 100%. Yeah. And then also, what really helped me was that. You know, a person becomes very sensitive to different smells when a person is undergoing one particular drug known as Paxitel. I, I think it is because of that. So, you know, if someone was cooking at home, I used to like completely abhor that particular smell, you know. So then um, the, another thing, good thing happened was that, you know, there was there's this nutritionist uh, who's in Valdi, Anju Venkat. Mm. So someone had connected me to her. Then I got an appointment and I came from Pune to meet her and take the entire thing that she's telling me. So I started eating a lot of raw uh, and fruits and vegetable juices because I could not really eat the normal roti dal, sabzi mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. there. you know. And I used to feel a lot of smell is coming from there. So when I started, like I switched to a raw diet, sprouts and, you know, juices and other things, I think it really helped me a lot. A lot of salads. Mm. So I'm continuing with this this diet even now.
1: Well, you know, in fact, I mean, contrary to that, there was somebody that I know has cancer as well. And they, in fact, asked her not to have raw uh, because they said that, you know, the chances of infection are higher. There's often sort of contrary information yeah. How do you sort of, you know, when you when you found out, did you do a lot of reading and, uh, you know, get d- really confused about mm-hmm. what uh, line to sort of follow? Because mm-hmm. there's so much information yes. uh, that it's often confusing for people because they're not sure whether they should do this or they should do that.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Even my doctor told me the same thing that uh, you have to like, you know, avoid raw and have cooked food and stuff. Hmm. but then um, then when I consulted uh, Anju she Hmm. told me that uh, what happens is that all the doctors who are there with due respect to them uh, they have one subject on nutrition and it it has the least amount of marks uh, whether you qualify on that or not and mostly you know people skip that so you know so this is the truth Until the time you know someone is really taking up nutrition as the subject of research and whatever education people are not really deep into it. Mm. So I was like, exactly, you know, I and I completely and I experimented on my own self, I'm telling you for sure. I mean nothing like sprouts. I mm. mean today also I have a lot of sprouts. I have less cooked food. Mm. I mean as far as possible I've reduced my cooked food diet. Mm. Mm. I mean but of course you know there are days when you feel like you know <laughs> parantha. <laughs> but then I think uh, I also switched to millets. I've stopped eating wheat. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I have rice but I also have millets. I have different millets.
1: So the so what what you went on is obviously changing your diet, which was yes. going from cooked to raw. Yes. And the homeopathy. Right,
0: right. And
1: the homeopathy you remember what medicines they had asked you to take?
0: Yes, it's known as Luxformica.
1: Oh Luxormica, of course yeah. I've heard of that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's it?
0: That's it. Yeah, that's it. Nothing else.
1: And that really helped with the side effects.
0: That really helped me with the side effects. And one thing that I observed what happened within me, though I've always been very like, you know, prone to Cold and cough and other things, but then uh, after the chemo session, uh, you know, I started getting the sinus and cold things again. Mm. So it was my nutritionist who told me that your immunity is, you know, has gone down. That's why you're getting it. So then I consulted an Ayurvedic doctor and uh, from Bombay, mm. and his medicine really helped me a lot. And I took it over three to four uh, months, and uh, I also did some home remedy that he asked me to do. And I think that was beautiful.
1: Which was what? What was just the home that, remedy?
0: You just boil some water and you put some ajwain into it, mm. like half a teaspoon of ajwain and half a teaspoon or maybe less of salt powder. Salt is dry ginger. Mm. And then you just let it boil. And once it is boiled, then just, you know, strain it and drink it. If you want to add some honey, that's fine. You can just have it like that.
1: So so with your chemotherapy, you were doing three, four different things, which is the homeopathy, yeah. the Ayurveda yeah. and the raw food diet.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right.
1: And that really reduced the effects of the chemotherapy.
0: I think it helped me battle the effects more Hmm. effectively. You know, that Hmm. was I think I can say very safely because I've experimented on myself.
1: And the doctors were okay with this, Uh, or they suggested. (laughs)
0: Honestly, I was like so sure that you know the people whom I was consulting, they are very qualified. So like you know, and then it
1: just yeah, because doctors usually you know. Uh, some doctors have a problem with say Ayurveda or homeopathy. Yeah. Uh, and they suggest that you don't do it at the same time that you're doing the chemotherapy. Mm,
0: yes. No, Ayurveda, I did not take at the time of chemo.
1: You did it after, after, the, after afterwards, the chemotherapy.
0: Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. After the radiation also. Right. Yeah, yeah like right. that. Because the problem came after the radiation. So at that time. Right. See what happens is, it's a very simple thing. You know, there's a lot of uh, investment of money that has to to go on should be going into the research of cancer on Mm -hmm. preventing cancer which is not the case and which may be the case by pharmaceutical companies because you know they are doing this allopathic thing that is there so that is one thing. When the research thing happens, so uh, mostly it's the pharmaceutical companies who are producing allopathic drugs. So they are the only ones who can, you know, say, okay, this is a line of treatment which is safe and secure for treating breast cancer. Mm. Ayurveda, who's going to invest? Uh, Homeopathy, who's going to invest? Mm. Uh, So this entire billion dollar cancer industry will actually come to a standstill. If someone says that, you know, I can cure cancer with a tree bark. Mm. And so naturally, you know, people really get upset and say that, you know, don't go here. Just follow allopathic, just Mm. follow chemo Mm. and other things. And everyone wants to be safe. Mm. Like, you know, people, like someone told me as well that, you know, don't go for chemo. It doesn't make any sense, this, that. So I was like, I mean, at least for now, I'd like to go for chemo. And once I do my research and then I right. know things, then maybe I can have an alternative line of right. treatment as well. But before that, like, you know, it's just better to be sure.
1: So, uh, were there any altern- other alternative treatments that you tried?
0: I haven't tried any yeah. alternative treatment, to be honest, like, you know, till date. I'm, I'm thinking of. See, I've also got to know that it has to do a lot with the body, you know, with the hormones. It has a lot to do with the fact that the body has to be alkaline, you know. Hmm. So, so keeping the body fit. So, I'm exercising each day.
1: So, a hormonal imbalance has a lot to do with yes. breast cancer as well?
0: Yes, 100%. Actually, the other thing is that, you know, my gynae, when she was like, you know, I had this hair. Uh, on my chin, ah. and I was like very worried that you know, okay, what how do I treat it? And I went to a gynae and she told me that you know, you take these. I was like, Is are these not birth control pills? She said <coughs> they are, but it's okay, it's safe, you can take them. Now, the point is, it's the duty of the doctor mm. to give a disclaimer that you know, this is the side effect of birth control pill. Mm. It, this can, this, these are the things that other things that can happen to you, mm. which she did not, you
1: know, right?
0: Which was like a downer for me which I got to know very late when I was doing research on what caused what may have caused mm. cancer mm.
1: and hormonal imbalance was one of the yeah. was the important ones yes. so how do you how do you go about sort of making sure that everything's in balance is there some way that you can sort of make sure you know is there some preventive thing that you can do that you learnt off
0: actually Once you have cancer, then the only thing is to lead a wholesome life and, you know, take care of all the other things along with whatever you're doing. It's not only the career, not only the family, not only your personal life, but also, you know, how much sleep you're getting, how you're well rested or not, Mm. uh, the food that you're getting, which is important, Mm. and whether it is organic or not, that also matters. Mm. Mm. Because, and one thing that I've done is I've stopped drinking milk completely. I've completely stopped drinking milk because one, the reason is that, you know, the kind of sources that we get milk from, uh, we, we don't know the source, which is a thing. And uh, the second thing is that milk, I mean, now like people say that, you know, milk is not really required by human mm. bodies. So it's required by the calves, mm. you know, mm. not by the human beings. So it's, it was very difficult, <laughs> you know, coming from Punjabi family.
1: To stop milk completely.
0: Yes. And, and dairy products.
1: And were there any other changes that you made in your diet?
0: See, to be honest, uh, I've started having more of fruits and salads. Mm. And, I, you know, I also had to learn salads, you know, for my friends who have been doing salads. You know, earlier I was not particular about it. But now I'm very particular about it, mm. that, you know, what I'm eating. So I make sure that I have all the good healthy things. Flex seeds and chia seeds and sunflower seeds and... <laughs> other than and then of course dry fruits so i've s- reduced my intake of junk food mm. so whenever mm. i'm hungry i try and take uh, you know good things Th- that's the only way to ensure that okay at least you know what i'm consuming is mm. good and safe and healthy and it's not right. you know i'm not damaging my system for right. the-
1: and uh, you know a lot of people find sometimes that the doctors don't have time they're not helpful enough uh, in your case did you find that <laughs> or did you find that the doctor was really supportive?
0: See, I'll tell you. You know, there's uh, one oncologist. Another person is onco consultant. If I'm, if I'm not wrong with whatever limited knowledge I have so what happens is uh, so the onco consultant is supposed to tell you exactly that what you're going to undergo mm. how you can look how you can plan your life around chemo for the next 3-4 months when you endure it but uh, in India what happens is oncologists and uh, this person onco consultant is one And because the, yeah, because the cancer cases are, you know, rising so much. So it becomes difficult for, you know, any doctor to come and, you know, tell you so as to be rest assured. Okay, don't worry, you'll be fine and all that. I think one person who did it was my radiologist. Like the doctor was radiologist and he was very sweet. You know, he was always, I mean, I was... Also very calm at that time, you know, because I think a lot of my procedure had ended. Mm. But then, of course, him being a bit more sympathetic and, you know, kind really helped.
1: Oh, so actually what you need is an onco-consultant.
0: I mean, I think this is known as onco I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, not the term, I mean, but yeah. but there is somebody Someone, that sort of yes.
1: takes you through the whole takes protocol. Through, and yes, yes. Consults you and tells you how to yeah, sort of yeah. build your life around that. Yes. And that doesn't happen here.
0: Um, I mean, maybe it is happening in some places which are like super expensive. Uh But uh, I... I, I mean unfortunately for me by the time I got to know I was like you know why is my doctor not having time to tell me and you know why is he so anxious all the time so then I got to know from other people that you know th- this is how it happens in India that you know like you have to either go to a counsellor who's into cancer treatment and stuff so she'll be able to tell you she or he will be able to counsel you mm. and say this is what your life will be but mostly people don't share anything about Chemo and they'll say, okay, side effect hai, hmm. so I was like, okay, <laughs> so, that, once you are into it, so you know. that
1: And you also said that there is still a certain amount of shame sort of attached to it.
0: Or oh, uh, to yes. go into
1: a consultant or you know, talking about it, or even telling people about it. Ah,
0: yeah. There
1: is some there is shame attached to it right now.
0: No one wants to talk the word breast it is phenomenal hmm. i don't know what men start visualizing when i say breast cancer they start hmm. thinking about how my breast looks this is madness to some degree that i don't understand what a hypocrite society we are like i think we more than you know being proud of indians we should be proud of the biggest hypocrites who are walking on this earth hmm. because we don't talk we don't want to talk about breast cancer you know like i've seen people who interact with me and they'll say acha kaise hua how did this happen to you but they'll they'll save cancer but they'll not save breast cancer like this is so strange it's an organ in the body like what is wrong with talking about it you know So I just find it very strange. Like I also face this stigma in my own family, you know, to be honest, Mm. like I can't go far. Mm. So I and I don't know, like, you know, earlier I used to feel very, very upset about it, very unhappy. But then I was like, okay, this is how the world is. This is the design of the universe. Maybe Mm. I can't help Mm. it. Mm. I mean, I can't change everything, you know. So, this is how it is. (laughs) So, they don't want to say. And also, you know, maybe because of the fact that I'm a Sikh and I lost my hair. Like, you know, for Hmm. Sikhs, it's a big thing, the hair. So, I was very afraid that, you know, because if someone sees me, what will they think that I've shaved off my head or, you know, I'm trying to be contemporary or something like that. So, then I had to actually put a thing on my Facebook. Uh, like whatever like a post on my Facebook saying this is my picture this is how I look now because you know I'm undergoing treatment for breast cancer so I've lost all my hair this was like the biggest thing you know that any woman would like you know face and mm. but then I also found that you know everyone around me all my friends were they were so chilled out about it mm. two of them had just gone for a shaven head just for the heck of it mm. and uh, their hair started coming sooner mm. but once I saw them I was like it's okay if they can do it it is okay if it is happening to me so what well you know what's the big deal but that's the way you keep yourself happy right? mm. you know what else? Otherwise, you know, everything is so... It's like, oh my God, this has gone. This is not there. What is that? Also, I find it very strange when people ask me... So they took out your breast. I was like, excuse me, can you not ask me? <laughs> my breast is intact. Like, it is just the tumor that had gone. So, I mean... You know, I just feel very upset about it when people come to this these kind of conclusions. And I was like, I'm completely okay. Had there been, you know, I don't know what is the future, what will happen in the future. Even if the breast has to be taken out and some kind of plastic surgery has to be done, it is equally okay that you know.
1: Right, of course.
0: I mean, of course, it's a shock. No one can deny that. But it's okay. It's a part of. But
1: it's just the actually the stigma in society sort of makes it worse. Because you really can't sort of, you know, it's not easy to share with people because uh, like like you're saying, there's a certain amount of shame. There's a certain like judgment that's attached to it, which shouldn't be there because.
0: Yeah, also, I think women are so repressed in our country. Like, you know, you forget about these metropolitan cities. I mean, if Hmm. you go to the smaller towns, it's like. Uh, women really don't know to how to stand up for themselves or talk and Mm. they they, I mean you know someone was telling me if you go to rural India it is much difficult to you know detect cancer because they don't talk about it they don't want to like you know self-detect it they don't want to come to the doctor or even anyone who's, Mm. who's doing the test for themselves. Hmm. so it is you know like I mean for me I mean if you say the definition of development I think this is where we are underdeveloped you know when we cannot accept people the way they are the way they are not hmm. with or without limbs or any other organs for that matter and hmm. we start you know judging them or discriminating against them hmm. I think that's sad you know that's that's a society which has not yeah. grown you yeah. know but I'm sure that is happening in many other cultures also that we don't know of
1: and I was I was uh, watching your uh, TED talk and you were talking about how there was actually a lot of good that came out of this so obviously changed your perspective completely about life you want to Tell us a little about that.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, you start counting your blessings. No one is there whose life is perfect. No one mm. can say, okay, my life is perfect. Everyone, if you ask any anyone, they'll say, okay, this is not there. That is not there. I wish this didn't happen with me. I wish this was better. I wish I was paid more. I wish my husband loved me. My wife loved me. I wish they didn't have an extra mental affair. X, Y, Z, whatever. So the point is then, you know, life is like, if we choose to, we can regret and, um, you know, feel that life is is not perfect, you know. So, so, but that's a choice that you make. How you want to respond to something, it's a choice. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, how you play badminton or cricket or anything. So there's a ball that's coming to you. It, and what are you going to do with the ball? It's completely up to you if I sit if I don't play at that time it's my choice Mm. if I say okay this is the way the ball is coming I have to you know hit in this way it's my choice so this is this is what my biggest I mean this was a learning earlier as well Mm. but then I think with cancer all the things which are not there in my life it just disappeared Mm. just just disappear. And I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I have to live life, you know. What am I waiting for? Comes clear
1: the things that are important become very clear.
0: Yes. And also, you know, the kind of things that we think that, okay, uh if I'm more famous, if I'm more awarded, if I'm more recognized, then I'll be happy. Mm. You know, then I'll do this. So, you know, we keep doing this kind of a conditional happiness, which is there. Mm. So I feel this is bullshit. You know, who who cares if you get an award who doesn't get an award? You know what I'm saying? Like when I screened the film in, in Copenhagen... Uh, they, they didn't know what is national award. Like, mm. you know, my friend had to tell the audience, but then one part of the world doesn't matter who you are, you know. Right. So, so, like, what are we trying to strive You know, Mm. that's what I'm trying to say. Mm. That, okay, you know, even for like, you know, cancer, the only thing I realized is how small life is, how short life is. So it's good to count on blessings rather than Mm. saying that I don't have this, I don't have that, this, that. Mm. So I think that's where, you know, and I've started traveling. That is the best thing that I'm doing to myself. Because I think that's a gift that I always wanted to give my own self. And of course, Traveling with a purpose, uh, wherein I'm screening my documentary films, which mm. are so dear to me, and uh, you know that gives you a kind of sense of purpose when you travel, and also people understand where you're coming from. Mm. So mostly, you know, when I screen the 84 film or any other film, so they say that the only thing we know about India is yoga and Ayurveda and meditation. So I was like, yeah, but then you know, this there also is, happens. There is
1: other stuff other that happens, stuff of course. That
0: is there. So just gives you a way to connect with fellow human beings of different cultures and uh, just i mean broadens your perspective uh, of the mm-hmm. world
1: yeah I, I remember i mean when we spoke on the phone as well your first thing was like, let's not make this serious yeah you were like does this have to be serious or can we yeah. can we laugh about it as well and yeah, uh, that sure. was that was very refreshing because you know very few people can take something like this and then then decide that they want to change their perspective, and you know they want to count their blessings and mm. uh, live life with a certain intensity in the moment. Yes. I think that doesn't happen often
0: you know what in Ireland when someone dies mm. they actually go and drink on the funeral mm. they make merry they mm. they have a party so I'm like who, who decides what is going to be done on a funeral and how people should feel like mm. it should be like a collective sadness or it can be like a collective rejoice mm. and remembering the good things that the person lived for mm. so I feel the latter is better yeah. <laughs>
1: <No>? <laughs> it is it is <laughs> isn't it of course absolutely yeah. You no, I'd like to know a little more about uh, the treatment that you went through. How long did it take you to recover?
0: Okay, so it took me total six months to recover, including the surgery, chemotherapy and radiation. So once the surgery was done, um, there was a rest period of one month mm. uh, so that the wound can heal. And because, you know, they had taken out the tumor, so right. it was... A bit painful. Right. But then uh, it was fine. And I think after that, uh, it was chemotherapy.
1: You said uh, you went through eight cycles of chemotherapy. Eight
0: cycles of chemotherapy. Four were like the major ones where the dosage was high and other things. And the remaining four were light dosage. So, which means lesser side effects.
1: So, this was every week?
0: Uh 15 days. Every
1: 15 days. Fortnight.
0: Yeah. And yeah.
1: then you went through how many cycles of radiation?
0: 20 days of radiation. 20 days of Standard radiation. Standard is... 20 mostly. Yeah. So 20 days of radiation that happened in Kokilab and Ambani hospital. Radiation is pretty cool actually. It's nothing mm. to worry about. Mostly, I mean, there are no side effects. At least, mm. it was not there in my case.
1: Did the doctor Precaution. specify any yeah. precautions that you need to take while you're recovering?
0: No, there was no precautions that were told to me. The only thing is that I should not be sick mm. and uh, because they can't give chemo if uh, the blood count of a person is right, low. Of course. So I used to have beetroot juice Mm. uh, that really helped my hemoglobin count very high. Mm. And I'm continuing it with even now, you know. So that really helped me. And um, it also just gives you a lot of energy. Mm. Beetroot Mm. is very good for health. It's one of the superfoods, which is like lesser known. Mm. (laughs) So... So yeah, so that is one thing. And uh, I, and yeah, I mean, they say that they'll not give chemo if your blood pressure is high, if your blood count is low. So these were the things that I had to be careful about, you know, that my blood count is high and I don't get any kind of infection in between. So no running into this waterfall that you see near Tata Cancer. <laughs> So yeah. And then radiation, it is just that, you know, I think uh, when they give radiation to the breast that has undergone treatment, it becomes a bit red and a bit heated up. So if you take more fluids, it's good. Mm. If you take more juices, fruits juices uh, without sugar, vegetable juices without sugar, they are very good for health. And I think uh, all these things were actually told by my nutritionist rather mm. than my doctors mm. because these were lifestyle things and things related to food. And
1: right. Lifestyle changes that you had to make.
0: Yeah. yeah. So that way. So I think it matters a lot.
1: So the whole recovery process right from the surgery to the last radiation was about eight months?
0: Total six months
1: It was totally six months Yeah
0: yeah Total six months 100% I feel so sad I actually calculated That okay six months My goodness I won't be able to do Anything in six months But then, of course, I did. Uh, I promised myself that after every chemotherapy, I'm going to do something new and different. Uh, In terms of experience, I'm not going to lie down on my bed thinking, oh, what has happened to me? So, uh, like, I was also traveling at the time of chemotherapy. I used to take my, you know, chemo session and I also started traveling. Uh, That was the last three chemotherapies that I traveled. So I went for a workshop in Ahmedabad and I told them, you know, this is what I'm undergoing and this is what my thing is. So for two, three days, my energy will be low and Hmm. these will be the side effects. But, you know, if you help me, then I can come.
1: But right after the chemotherapy or like a couple of days after?
0: No, what happens is that, I mean, it, it depends upon how... A person wants to do it. I realized that the last four chemotherapy sessions where the dosage was low and you know the drug was also not that strong, I felt that I can do more with my life. And I can... Actually, what happens is that the side effect takes 24 hours to start. Hmm. So, I said, okay, I'm going to take the chemotherapy medicine and I'm going to travel and I'm going to reach my destination before the 24 hours end. (laughs) So... So I did these kind of things. But it just gives you a little bit of joy because any which ways, you know, that life is what, nothing and meaningless and then you're having cancer and everything. So so I used to, you know, do a little bit of these things. And I also indulged uh, a lot with the community, you know, mm. my friends or doing meditation together or cooking together. So mm. I have this wonderful support system from all my friends who were a part of a community, which really, really helped me a lot. I think everyone should have it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the support system is really important at a time like this. So. Yes,
0: yes, for sure, for sure. And also uh, which is
1: why it's a shame that you know people are afraid to share yeah. Because you know, if you don't share with people, then you're never going to have that support system around you,
0: yeah. Yeah, but it's also about accepting anyone unconditionally, hmm. you know, like not thinking about what causes bad karma, say who are cancer, or how. Like, hmm. you know, that's the biggest bullshit. That's that the I've other thought.
1: thing that we have in our country, yeah, which like is like
0: anything bad happens to you, this means you've done some kind of bad karmas, and I just don't understand whoever has given the karma theory, is it actually that? you know, simple to understand hmm. and, you know, comprehend. Hmm. Because I don't see that, you know, people are doing good karmas, are, you know, doing anything great and, you know, but you understand what I'm trying right. to say. I know, I know what you It's saying. too complex complex as compared to, you know, what our understanding of.
1: Why well, I guess it like. just uh, makes it easy for some people to accept. Yeah, because otherwise, you're, you're like, why did this happen to me? And then you have an explanation, which is that you did something bad and bad karmas and they've gotten up with you. And
0: also, religion is very big in our country, you right. know? so like, it, and it also takes a lot of strength to say, here I am, this is who I am, I'm not going to, you know, get into that trap of whatever. But in general, one should do good things and help mm. people out and, you know, right. rather than thinking, oh, I'll do this, so this will happen, right. I'll do this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so six, six months was uh, the whole recovery process. Yes. And when was the, when was the test to find out whether you were cancer free?
0: I mean, I have been detected two, three times, I think. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, this was asked earlier as well. I've visited my um, oncologist twice. He has checked and even in Tata cancer, I've gone mm. once. They say everything is fine, nothing to worry. So, I don't know. I think I'll have a mammogram next year in February. Mm. That's what they've told. So, so wh- is.
1: what are the what is the sort of protocol that you follow now just to make sure that everything is okay? Is there something that... Uh I mean, do you have to do tests regularly or is there, uh, you know, just once a year, you know, how often does that happen?
0: To be honest, it's just that uh, I've been told to, you know, visit the oncologist or whoever's a doctor, like, you know, once in four months or six Mm. months so I have done it already thrice just to be on the safer side Mm. and um, the other thing is like there's no particular test that has happened per se Mm. you know like you're saying that okay this is no evidence so that has not really happened I mean, and it's not in my knowledge also Mm. to be honest Mm. Um, but then yeah I mean I've been told that you know I'm good and you know like healthy and Mm. I'm taking like one hormonal pill each Mm. day Mm. so that has been prescribed to me for five years but then I also have to like you know understand and confirm do I need it for five years yeah one thing that I really want to talk about is that with this hormonal pill um, the periods stop Mm. and uh, uh, it's like how do you say like I mean I've become very moody also Mm. in between Mm. and it is all because of the fact that the periods have stopped you know Mm. early and uh, it's a kind of menopause Mm. that has happened Mm. and of course you know whenever menopause happens so women undergo a lot of uh, mood changes Mm. and swings so which I got present to the fact that I'm like I am also subjected to a lot of mood changes and mm. swings so mm. you know one has to do some kind of either a faith practice like or like a meditation or you know going to the temple gurdwara, whatever but in my case I was like going to the Gurdwara and I'm doing a little bit of meditation on my own and of course you know connecting with my friends to reach out that and has really the
1: meditation help. helped mm. uh, was that useful
0: that really helps a lot mm. I would say it really really helps a lot it just calms you down mm. you know when you, whenever you are agitated and I think in general also because we are leading very competitive uh, stressful lives so no. meditation is very calming
1: everybody that we've spoken to has spoken about the importance of support
0: mm. at a time
1: like this mm. you know you've spoken about your friends being there your family being there but there are also a lot of support groups uh, have you ever attended one of these support groups no
0: no never no I, I thought of like you know but then I was like Oh my God, it'll be so depressive, Hmm. you know. Because the, I, I mean, I can't really say because I've never gone to any support group. Right. Because the fact that whenever I used to go to Tata Cancer Hospital and, you know, with all my friends and other things... I just used to find it so depressive. Like, you know, other than the three, four of us, everything else was like... So
1: somber, obviously.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't blame on anyone. Of course, everyone has a different way to respond. And, you know, I also get somber at times. But the fact that, you know, I never asked anyone, what stage is your cancer? Where do you have cancer? Like, I just can't process it, you know. I just think I'm I'm way too sensitive, you know. Like, I'll just get very affected if I start... Uh, asking this question to people. But did
1: anyone you know? suggest like going to a support group?
0: Yes. Uh, there was this one counsellor in Tata Cancer and uh. she was like, you know, if you want, you can come for this gathering. We also have a support group and other things. I was like, yeah, if I feel that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want to be discriminated as breast cancer survivor. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. I mean, for me, it's what my personal thought is that it's good to be with people who are like normal and uh, not having cancer maybe having some any other disease but not cancer and just be okay about it and just lead a normal healthy life but yeah i tried getting the Vic two three times and I failed miserably because the wig used to look so artificial then I was like chuck it it's not working Hmm. I'm better the way I am and you know just forget about the wig part so then I I mean I think I made peace with the fact that I've lost my hair and Hmm. little bit of my hair is coming over after the chemo and after the radiation was complete so it started coming at that time but then I think that is more of a shock you know
1: you know the treatment of cancer is also very very expensive So, was it very difficult financially?
0: Yes, it is difficult. But thankfully for me, I had a a medical cover Hmm. since long. So, that really helped me. And then maybe we invested some bit for my savings and all. So, it was fine. But I know for a fact that... cancer is a billion dollar industry as I said Mm. so on every stage I used to feel the fact that you know I'm being questioned of how much insurance cover I have which is no one's business to Mm. ask me that Mm. but I was asked that Mm. how much of insurance cover I have so they'll try and manage so if your insurance cover is 25 lakhs so your treatment cost will be 25 lakhs if your insurance cover is 15 it'll be 15 if it is 10 it'll be 10 if it is 5 they'll manage it in 5 or 6 maybe so that is the kind of times that we are living in that I mean it really I mean I just freak out when I got to know about this kind of things that are happening in the hospitals and it is
1: so you're saying that the treatment is dependent on how much insurance cover that you have the cost of treatment
0: yes I mean you know, like, you'll not even, I mean, I was naive enough when, you know, I was asked, okay, how much is your insurance? I said, I have insurance. They said, okay, how much do you have? I was like, okay, really? Like, how does this work? Then I spoke to a few more patients and I found I was like, this is insane, you know. So the hospitals are going to ensure that your treatment is done. But what is the price that you're paying for it? You know, it's like, whatever you have, you just give us and we'll make you tic-tac and you go home. You you understand what I'm trying to say? So it is bizarre, you know, someone uh, on, I think I met someone who was on um, a different stage of cancer, but her husband was working for uh, Deutsche Bank, I think. Mm. And she paid around uh, 25 lakhs. I was like, really? That's enormous, you know. So see, the point is, I mean, when it happens, of course, we can't do much about it, but for people who don't have it, it's good to lead a healthy lifestyle mm. and be out of this racket and vicious circle. Why vicious circle? Because, you know, everyone is making money when you're getting treated. Everyone. Mm. Mm. I mean, I don't want to name, but you know, everyone who's involved. So every, It's like that. It's crazy, you know. Like.
1: But is this something that you're covering in your documentary as well? Um, or it's not something that you want to get into?
0: No, no, I would love to get into things which I'm not supposed to get into. <laughs> so that's not the point I mean I'll try and see what I can do about it
1: no because it seems to be something that is important I mean uh, it's not something I've heard of which is that your insurance cover actually determines uh, how much will be spent on your treatment
0: yes yes so you know, that's what I said. That you know, when I went, uh, I was also very naive. Whom I went to, I'll not share, mm. but uh, yeah, they asked me, uh, This is your thing. And when I asked them, What is this uh, detailing of uh, the breakdown of the hospital bills? That what does it because we don't know what other things that mm. they've accounted mm. for and they've charged enormous. They said, You go and ask your doctor. I was like, If I go and ask my doctor, my doctor is not a salesperson, no, that mm. he'll come and tell me that okay, this mm. is how we mm. this is what what is the breakdown of the bill list mm. but this is insane this is a, these are the times that we are living in you know mm. so it is uh, i mean i think to me this is more scary than cancer you know the fact that you have to be so vigilant the fact that you have to be so mindful of whom you are engaging with and how you are engaging with that mm. you know
1: mm.
0: it becomes difficult yeah
1: No, that's scary.
0: Yeah, this is one of the scary things. I haven't told you a lot of other scary things. Honestly, Kunal. it is, you know, once you know the entire truth, you're like, we are living in... But like what? Like what
1: scary things? Like, I mean...
0: See, the entire food chain cycle that is there, everything is polluted. Everything means everything. You know, when I say that what causes cancer, it's not one thing. It's like, and like each thing, like, you know, it's... It's enormous. It's like, you know, holding some kind of, what do you say, uh, like, you know, blowing a whistle in one particular industry, the entire milk industry, the entire food industry, the kind of coloring agents that are used. And I'm saying especially because in India, I don't know what are the food practices that are followed, Mm. you know, and where are the food inspectors and why don't they do these things about it? Because it's like, I just feel it's like human life has no value here. Mm. You know, mm. that is the crux of it. Mm. So we have no idea of what kind of food where we are sourcing from, where are the vegetables grown, or what is the source of those vegetables, whether they're organic, not organic, And so many other things.
1: Yeah, actually organic has become such a buzzword, but uh, organic requires certain practices and I don't know if those practices are actually followed.
0: Yeah, right. So I I don't know what are the answers. Mm. I mean, we'll try to see what Mm. are the answers. I I strongly feel that, you know, ecology, you know, environment, you know, if we live in tune with nature, uh, all these problems will not be there you know uh if we are satisfied then content with whatever mm. we have rather than ins- aspiring for more and more and more because you know our aspiration our greed is leading to the forest being destroyed uh it's leading to more pollution happening in terms of vehicles more apartments being constructed less oxygen circulated in cities you know so all this is because of someone saying that this is the definition of mm. development
1: You're now making another documentary, which is a documentary about your journey with cancer.
0: Oh, yes, yes, of course. I always wanted to do that because trying to investigate, you know, what causes cancer. Mm -hmm. Of course, I mean, it's not that like, I mean, I don't like coming in front of the camera. But then I realized that the only credible way to put it out there, uh, you know, is by moving the camera towards my own family and myself. Uh, like because it's just been a year that you know the treatment is over and I'm undergoing whatever I'm undergoing and also it's like symbolically you know the story of so many other women and girls who are there you know Mm -hmm. somewhere on the earth and they get detected and what all they have to face you Mm -hmm. never know so, I was like, okay, I just want to understand what caused me cancer, what is my journey uh, right now, and then uh, what is a healthy way to live life. Mm. So, like, what you asked me that if I've taken some kind of alternative treatment, that is something that I'm going to explore now. Mm. You know, in the, coming, in
1: the documentary? Yeah, yeah.
0: In the documentary, huh? in the coming months. like trying to
1: But see. the documentary is about also your parents and yes. how they, you know, their reasoning of why you got cancer as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, right.
1: Which is very different from anything I've seen.
0: See, what happens is that, I don't know. I mean, if you look at American documentaries, and you know, Kunal, it is people are very frank and honest about their life. And even like, you know, but here we consider a lot of things with we connected with shame and honor. Mm. Uh, you know, this is shameful. This is uh, family honor and family pride, which I don't understand what. Mm. Like, like, you know, who is, I, do you remember uh, your ancestors' name? like who remembers correct right so who's getting ashamed of what I don't understand like we we all are human beings we have a similar story that connects all of us Mm. so in one way or the other whether it is culture and that's how the Bollywood films are so popular in rest other parts of the world Mm. as well so because people connect to the emotions and language and everything else So, so similarly, you know, when it is about uh, difficult things and matters like breast cancer or cancer, any other form, it's it's another disease that is there. And I think the the pathos behind it, what causes it, and how it's a billion dollar industry, I may not be able to find, you know, uh, all the
1: answers to it. All the answers.
0: But I want to raise questions, right? You know, and make people aware.
1: And you're doing it through a documentary, which is like you're saying a personal sort of. It's almost like a, a personal diary uh, that you know you're converting into a documentary isn't
0: it Yes yes for sure I sometimes I have these inhibitions I just see like am I uh, am I just being uh, self-indulgent by showing myself? Then I was like, it's not like, it's a very, it's something which is in my programming, you know, to think that if I'm coming before the camera, it's self-indulgent. But if you look at so many other artists in the world, they've done documentaries on themselves. Mm-hmm. They've turned camera on themselves and they've said whatever they want to say through a film, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So which is completely fine and normal and, you know, which is not like self-indulgence.
1: No, I think it's so. it's brilliant. I mean, the little clip that I saw was, It was so different and so refreshing from anything else I've seen. And I'm really actually looking forward to the documentary.
0: Yeah? Yeah. And it is titled as, uh, When the Light Entered My Wounds. You know, this is a famous quote by Rumi Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, wherever I have a wound, the light entered. Light means like the true light, you know, the God's light that entered and it changed me. And, you know, what they do in Japan, when a jar is broken, they actually, wherever there is, it's broken, they put gold and then they blend it together. So, you know, if you look at a jar which is broken you and you see those uh, cracks that are there, those are filled with gold, mm. you know. So it's about accepting your own scars and rejoicing mm. them, mm. which is so beautiful.
1: Wow, that's beautiful.
0: So how can we say cancer is bad? Don't mm. you think so?
1: I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're the one that's that's gone through this journey, and
0: so I know I'm saying that it's it's okay. Whatever happens in life, sooner or later, it's good to accept it, right? And look at the positive things in life rather than not.
1: And what is it that you're hoping to sort of achieve with this documentary?
0: as I said that I just want to raise questions I want to raise questions on myths I want to raise like you know like what my parents are saying so many people are thinking but they're not talking about
1: it so what are are the primary myths that you come across when you when you you know are interviewing people or you know when you've been meeting people for your documentary or even you know people that you met in your life what were the myths that came across most regularly
0: yeah so yeah the first thing is that okay because you are not married you didn't have kids so you know uh, you have breast cancer Mm. so I was like not sure about it then of course I consulted few oncologists and they shared that this is not the only cause of cancer Mm. it may be one of the contributing uh, causes but Mm. we cannot say it with certainty Mm. and uh, then of course you know they say that cancer is in families if cancer is in families, I mean, this is the biggest question that I find it very like, you know, it's conveniently blamed on the genes that, you know, because someone in your family, no one in my family ever had cancer. Now, the point is, if the entire I mean, you know, if it's a billion population of India, if all the families had cancer at one point of time. That's, I think that's a complete, uh, something that people just want to blame it on their genes and not really want to research it. You know, they, they say that you go and find out, but I just, it's like, you know, this is simply not the case, at least in my case, I know for sure. I, I can't really say generally what it is.
1: Right. So are these the questions that you're asking in yeah. the documentary?
0: Also hormonal imbalance, mm. also birth control pills, also mm. IVF. What about the food? What about the radiation that is coming from our phones, the towers that are there on our buildings Mm. and the fiber network that is, you know, progressing to our house, uh, you know, at such a high speed. All these are symbols of development, you know, and these are symbols of development and the definition of development also comes from the West. Mm. So what is it like, you know, uh, the question is that how much of Internet do we need, you know, and with, you know, going through this content day in and day night, like we all have become glued to our cell phones. Mm. What is our future ahead, you know, and what is the kind of health hazards that we are facing? Mm -hmm. So we're not really talking about it. Mm -hmm. But we are exposed to so much of radiations throughout the day, 24 hours, you know. So one thing that I'm doing now is I'm switching my phone and I'm putting it on or either I'm putting it on airplane mode and sleeping in the night or it's in a different room. Yeah,
1: I mean, that I believe, I mean, that everyone says is really important is to turn your phone off at least one hour before you sleep and one hour after you wake up yes. and also not have the phone around you when you're sleeping
0: yes yes for sure yeah 100% so yeah so these are the things which I'm going to investigate in the documentary
1: wow lovely yeah. so thank you so much thank you it was wonderful talking to you thank, uh, you, very thank much. you for all that you've shared with us and I really really look forward to the documentary
0: yeah thank you very much Kunal so I just wanted to share with you and whoever listening to the podcast that I'm going to release a crowdfunding campaign in October which is also a breast cancer month mm. and it's also a month of my birthday and I want to ask people to contribute towards the making of the film and you know because it doesn't have sex and and violence and drugs so I don't know if Netflix is interested in it <laughs> or <on>, not <on. laughs> so I think I'll have to Find my way.
1: So that is, yeah. Yeah, but you're very good at finding a way. I'm sure you will. I
0: well, know. Oh God bless and the ways may come
1: out. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Thank you very Thank much you. Thank that. you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back soon with a new episode. You can catch Podcast MD by Keto on all the major platforms like Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, GeoSavan, and HubHopper. You can also find it on eplog.media our production partner. Please send us your feedback on Twitter using hashtag PodcastMDKeto. Leave us a review rating on iTunes and make sure you subscribe to the show. Goodbye. Thank you.